over the last two weeks, Ed kicked off our series two weeks ago and did an intro to James and talked about James 1. And then Dave talked last week about James 2. And even though I wasn't in here, I got to go back and listen to the podcast, which incidentally, if you would happen to miss on a Sunday, the podcast is always up. It's in iTunes, it's on our website, so you can always go and listen so that you don't have to miss out even if you miss church one Sunday. So keep that in mind. But as I went back and listened to that, I hope you guys were listening because there were some powerful words that both Ed and Dave brought to us over the last two weeks. As Ed kicked off talking about the intro to James in the beginning, the first chapter of James, he talked about how we should be rejoicing even in the midst of suffering. And I love how he portrayed that because he's real about it to say, okay, I know you're not going to rejoice in the midst of your trial. I know that when bad things are happening to you, you're not going to take that time to just be excited about it. But we can rejoice because of suffering, because of what it does in us. It builds endurance in us, in us and it continues to build our faith and it strengthens us and it helps us to be mature in our faith. And then last week as Dave talked to us, he really got into some deep stuff in, in James chapter 2, some theological kinds of things, talking about justification. And justification is this big word that basically means we accept God's free gift of grace in our lives and we are declared righteous before God. Not because of anything we do, not because of anything we can earn, but simply because we choose to have faith. And he painted that picture of faith, if you remember this illustration about getting on an airplane. You know, there's all these different kinds of faith, but the faith is talked about in James is a faith where you go, okay, I know an airplane can fly, I know the pilot knows how to fly the plane, and I trust him enough, I'm going to get on the plane and fly myself. And I'm going to ride that plane. It's that kind of faith. And he talked about how out of that kind of faith, as God begins to change us, he begins to regenerate our heart, he begins to make us new, and it is out of that regeneration then, it is out of that regeneration that our works begin to reflect our heart. Our works begin to reflect the faith that we have in God. It's something that just oozes out of us as part of who we are. We can't earn salvation, we can't earn grace. But when we experience grace and God begins to make us anew and regenerate our heart, the things that we do and even the things that we say, as we're going to talk about today, show that. They reflect what's in our heart. And so as we get into James 3 today, we're talking about this idea of taming the tongue. And probably you've heard a message on this before. You've heard something about this idea of taming the tongue. And usually we hear those words and we go, oh, well, I shouldn't cuss so much or I shouldn't use foul language or I shouldn't say these words. But it's so much deeper than that because what James does is he digs, digs into the purpose behind our words. Why do we say the things we say? What kind of weight do our words carry? Not just the words we choose, but even the tone we use and the ways that we communicate. So we're going to dig into that this morning. But before we do that, I want to ask you a question. Think of a time, sometime in your life, that you have said something that you wish desperately you could take back. You've said something to a friend or to a co-worker or whatever it may be, but, but sometime that you said something, you go, man, I wish I didn't say that, or I wish I could have taken that back. Take a moment, talk to somebody beside you, and tell them about one of those times. Maybe funny, maybe serious, doesn't matter. You've got two minutes, go and talk about it. Something that you said that you wish you could take back.
All right. As I look across the room and, and watch some of you laugh and kind of tell your stories, it's obvious that you had one of those moments where you go, I really shouldn't have said that. You, some of you got some good stories, I can tell. And then I can tell some of you struggle a little bit with following directions, but we'll get to that later. You know, words are one of those things that we can't take back. Think about it. The things we say, we can't ever take them back. And their impact lasts forever, even longer than what you remember of the words. You say things, and the meaning behind your words hangs on forever. Our words can have eternal consequences, literally. And so we're going to be talking a lot about that this morning. This past week, I feel like I've read hundreds of scriptures that talk just about this concept of how we use our words. It's been a rough week studying. I told my small group Monday night, I said, all I did today was read the chapter. I haven't even dug into anything. I haven't really started studying, but I can tell it's going to be a rough week. Now, my wife, on the contrary, says it was a great week because she got lots of cards and lots of flowers this week, and there were letters of forgiveness and all this stuff that was going on because I was so convicted of what God was speaking into my heart. But when we stop and think about the power of words, it's amazing what we can do with our words to either tear down or to build up. And so let's dig in together. We're going to be looking at James chapter 3 this morning. And if you've got your uh, smartphone or a tablet and you're following along, we're looking out of the message this morning. I normally teach out of New Living Translation, but today I want us to look at the marriage, it's a, at the message. It's a common day paraphrase, um, and it, is just, it hits the nail on the head this morning for what we're talking about. So starting in verses 1 and 2, don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work, and teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person, in perfect control of life. Okay, let me take it one step further and put it in Brian's English for you. Basically what this is saying is, don't just listen to what I say this morning because I'm going to mess it up, and I guarantee I won't get it exactly right, and it won't come out perfect, and I'll stumble over words. But listen to what God has to say to you this morning, because we're going to dig through a ton of Scripture. We're going to dig through a lot of things that He speaks to us. So open your ears and your heart this morning to allow Him to speak into your life. As He continues in verses 3 through 5, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Wow. Those are powerful words, aren't they? He's direct. You know, Ed talked about that first week. Here's James, the half-brother of Jesus. I think he learned a little bit from his brother. He just kind of says it like it is. Throws it out there to where you have to look at it and you have to deal with it. These are pictures of the power of our words. Our words carry the power to destroy, to tear down, or to give hope and to restore and to build up and to courage. What are your words doing? What are your words doing? See, our words are the barometer of our heart. Just like Dave talked last week about our works, 
reflect what's in our hearts. So do our words. The things that we say, the things that we talk about, they're the barometer of what's going on in our heart. So when you think about your words, how's your heart? I'm going to be asking you that several times today. Today will be a day of introspect where you'll have to think a lot and look within yourself a lot. And if it's anything like last service, you're going to have that deer in the headlights look a lot, and it's okay because you're going to have to think a little bit about where am I really in this journey? And that's what James is doing. He's, he, he's pushing us to go, where are you in this journey of faith? Is your faith really growing? Are you developing in your faith? Or are you just saying, I have faith? What's it really look like? What's the condition of your heart? So let's dig into it a little bit. James uses analogies in this passage to paint a picture of the power of our words. And he starts with this picture of a bit and a horse's mouth. Now, I'm sure not everybody in the room rides horses or understands this concept fully, so I want you to see a picture of what it looks like. Here's a bit in a horse's mouth. The bit is that piece of metal that goes right in between their teeth and pulls back against their lips, and it's what gives you control of the horse. Now, look at that. You put that in my mouth, I think you can pretty much tell me where to go to. I mean, you're pulling on that, and it's pulling on their lips, it's pulling back against them, and with just directing the direction of the mouth of the horse, you now have control of this powerful beast who in reality could do whatever it wants. This horse can trample us to death. It could run over us ten times as strong as any of us. You're not just going to grab it and tame it by mere force, but you put that bit in the mouth and all of a sudden you have control of the horse. You pull to the left and the horse goes left. You pull to the right, the horse goes right. You pull back, it stops or backs up. You now have control because you're controlling the mouth. Our words are much like that. Our words will cast direction of our entire life. And he's painting that picture so that we understand that. And then the next analogy he uses is of this rudder on a ship. And this is one of the best pictures I could find of this, but it doesn't really give you full perspective because when you look at this picture, all you're seeing is the back underside of this huge ship. Think about one of the cruise ships that you go on for vacation. These huge ships that hold thousands of people and all kinds of food and all the safety boats and all the different things and, and the huge crew. These are big boats. And you've got that one little rudder back there behind the propellers that as that rudder turns left to right, it steers that huge ship and will turn the direction of that huge ship. And it's much like our tongue. You know your tongue is the smallest yet the strongest muscle in your body? Your tongue, the strongest muscle in your body proportionately. Just like the rudder on the ship, it doesn't take a lot to change the direction. And then the third illustration he uses is how just a simple spark can set off a forest fire. This is a very real picture. This is from the fires in Colorado last year. We all have seen the devastating effects of forest fires and how they can burn thousands, even millions of acres of land quickly and cause devastation and destruction. And do you know that most forest fires are started by one spark, one little tiny ember. It's a, a careless flick of a cigarette out the window that's not quite extinguished, or it's the, somebody leaving a campfire that they think is out, but there's still a little ember that's glowing underneath there. Or it's you know, some kind of metal hitting the pavement on the road in a car accident or some other thing to where it's just one little spark, but that one little spark hits some dry grass or a dry tree, or whatever it may be. And next thing you know, you have a flame, and then a fire, and then devastation and destruction. And that is a picture of the power of our words. One careless, idle word 
one word spoken without thinking or spoken without taking a moment to reflect on what it could mean can have that kind of devastation and destruction. Our words are powerful. Of course our words are powerful. Our words are powerful because God's words are powerful. Think about it. The God we serve, this is the God who created all the universe by speaking it into being. Talk about powerful words. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke creation for everything except you and I. And for you and I, he breathed life into us. We are made in the very image of God. And here is God who sent his son. We read about in John 1 how he sent his son who was the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He sent Jesus to earth, his word, him speaking to us, his relevance. That is power. And he's given us the same power in our words, the same power to heal and give hope or to destroy. How are you using your words? You feeling a little fidgety yet? Feeling a little awkward sitting here this morning yet? I felt that way all week. Sherry to come home during the day, what, what's wrong? I went, I just read more today and I realized how, bore, how poorly I use my words and how poorly I speak so many times. And what it's really reflecting in my heart, it's tough to look inside sometimes. Our words have power. Think about it. Every war that's ever happened in history, it didn't start just because somebody sent off a bomb or started shooting. It started because of words, whether written or oral. Fights that happen, they don't just start because you walk up and punch some guy. There's words that are exchanged. There's gossip. There's things that happen behind your back. There's something that instigates that. Our words carry power, and they cause reactions. And often they cause poor reactions, depending on how we're using our words. So how are you using your words? What's the purpose behind your words? What are you accomplishing with the things you're saying, the ways that you're talking? And sometimes it's not even just the words. Sometimes it's how we say it. I can say the same thing to my kids in two different ways, and it's taken two very different ways. Depending on my tone of voice, depending on how I approach it, depending on how loud I speak it, there's so many different things about how we communicate that change what our words mean. How are we sharing our words? How's that reflecting your heart? How's that barometer reading for you? You know, the Bible talks about all kinds of ways that our words can cause destruction through lying. And most of us would look around the room and go, oh, I don't lie. I tell the truth. I mean, I even tell my kids all the time, tell the truth. That's the most important thing. But if you really stop and think about it, how many times do you bend the truth just a little bit so that you don't look so bad in a situation or you bend the truth a little just so you look better in general? Or how many times when you go to talk to a friend who's done you wrong and you bend the truth just a little because you don't really want to hurt their feelings or because you don't want to be fully honest about what you're feeling because you're embarrassed by it? How many times do we stretch the truth a little? The Bible talks about things like slander where we talk bad about someone else, where we defame them or, or mess up their reputation. Well, I wouldn't do that. Would you? I mean, how many times do we say something about someone else so that we'll look a little better 
And we don't really mean to cause destruction to them or make them feel bad. Or even if we're being honest, how many times we say something bad about somebody because we're just jealous. We don't think about it. We don't think about the impact it has. Or gossip. Man, the Bible talks a lot about gossip. You know, I'd say that's the one thing with our words that has the power of destruction more than anything else. Idle conversation, talking about things we shouldn't be talking about, sharing things that were shared in confidence. And here's the reality. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It doesn't matter if what you're sharing is 100% accurate. If you're sharing something that was shared in confidence, it's gossip. If you're sharing something that should have been shared in confidence, it's still gossip. When you start a phrase with, well, I really shouldn't be telling you this, or I really shouldn't be saying this, that should be your first clue. It's gossip. Don't say it. You shouldn't be. But yet we do it all the time, and we even Christianize it. You know, I need to tell you about this thing so you can pray for so-and-so. Come on. Think about it. Where's your heart in that? Have you prayed about it? Are you really burdened by what you're sharing? Is it really getting to you? Have you prayed about it more than you've talked about it? Because if not, it's probably just gossip. Gossip destroys. It destroys relationships. It destroys churches. It destroys businesses. It destroys people. It's sad, and we like to kind of turn a a blind eye to it and not think about it, but we live in a world where people take their own lives because of the power of gossip, because of words that are spoken against them. It's destructive power. It destroys people. I read a quote this past week. I'm going to skip through a couple things here. And this is from a guy named Morgan Blake. He's a writer for the Atlanta Journal newspaper back in World War I. Listen to these words. I'm more deadly than the screaming shell from the howitzer. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth. No respect for justice. No mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is gossip. That's powerful words. Look at some of what Scripture says about the power of gossip. Proverbs 16, 28, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and gossip separates the best of friends. Proverbs 20, 19, A gossip goes around telling secrets, so don't hang around with chatterers. And this is nothing new. It's nothing that is fresh for you and I. This was happening in the Old Testament. Look at King David's words from Psalm 141. He saw the power and the destruction of things like gossip. And he's saying to God, Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds along with those who are evildoers. Do not let me eat their delicacies. Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. God, help me to be careful about the things I say. Help me not to speak ill of others. Help me not to gossip. Help me not to say things that are destructive. 
Because the tongue is like that spark that can start a forest fire and can destroy like crazy. You know, a lot of times, it's even in the things that we think are harmless. It's the idle words that we speak. It's the sarcasm that we use, the teasing. And man, I'm, I'm just as bad as anybody else because I'm all about teasing. There's nothing wrong with some good-natured teasing from time to time. I mean, guys in the room, you can speak to this. Guys just like to get together and insult each other sometimes. It, and our wives think we're idiots. They think it's crazy. They're like, why in the world did you do this? You just beat each other. But for guys, it's fun. It's something that we do. But, which just erased everything I said, so hear this out. It's easy to cross that line to where it's not harmless teasing anymore and to where you've hurt feelings and to where you're doing damage. And I, of all people, can speak to that because I get accused all the time of not even knowing there is a line, much less where the line is. And it's easy to cross that line and do damage. Easy. We have to be careful of the things we say. It doesn't mean that we can't have good-natured teasing, but you know what happens most of the time? Most of the time... We don't want to face conflict and we don't want to face issues that are between us and others in our relationships. And so we use sarcasm or teasing or I was only joking or I'm just saying. We use those kinds of phrases so that we can passively tell them something that's wrong with them or say something that's wrong in the relationship. And we can tell them a truth, but we frame it in the context of I'm just joking, I'm just saying. Yeah, uh-huh. Except 95% of what you said was true. He just didn't have the courage to actually come out and say it. We were passive about it, and we approach it in this sarcastic way that makes it okay, because I was just joking. But I really wanted you to hear that, because you need to know that. Do you know those things are just as damaging as speaking the truth bluntly, but without love and grace? Scripture tells us all the time to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth framed in love and grace. But speaking just the truth without love and grace is just as bad as using sarcasm and using the joking thing. Sometimes it would be better if we just kept our mouths shut. Sometimes we need a guard over our mouth and we need somebody to watch over the door of our lips because our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. Scripture talks about this in Proverbs 26. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and then says, I was only joking. Think about that. Let us sink in a second. Just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon. So basically it's the same as your friend walking in and shooting you in the leg just because. It's no different than someone who lies to a friend and then says, well, I was only joking. Our words carry powerful, carry power. And they are a powerful reflection of our heart. They're that barometer of our heart. Dave talked about it last week, James 2. Our works should reflect what's in our heart. And in the same way, our words reflect what's in our heart. So what's in your heart? What's being reflected? What's shown? We live in this country where we have freedom of speech. Don't you love that? You have freedom of speech. You can say what you want, when you want, and you're not, you don't have to worry about condemnation because you have freedom of speech. 
That's not true. Your speech is not free. Every word that is uttered from your mouth carries spiritual weight with it. Every word has the power to build up or to destroy. There's nothing free about it. Sure, we live in a country where we can say anything we want, but that doesn't mean it's without impact. That doesn't mean that there's no consequence to the things that we say. We've talked a lot about the destructive power of our words, and we could go on and on and on, and I could give you tons of illustrations, and I'm sure you could throw a hundred of them back at me of how words can destroy and how they can cause destruction, but do you know that our words can also give hope? Our words can also give life. Our words can build up. They can encourage. Our words have the power to do either one. It's all about how we use them. Listen to what's said in Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Above all else, guard your heart. Let me put it in another more common saying for you. This is one of those mama says kind of moments. Garbage in is garbage out. What we put in our heart is going to come back. Jesus talks about it in Matthew And he talks about how the food we eat just passes through our body, but the words and the things that we bring in, they resonate in our heart and they find a home and they come back out of our mouth. Our mouth is simply that. It's the mouthpiece of what is in our heart. It's reflecting what is there. And it's garbage in, garbage out. We've got all kinds of opportunity to put garbage in. TV, movies, books, magazines, what we do on the web. There's all these ways that we can put garbage into us. But you know how we change that? We change that by letting God's word, his powerful word, speak into our hearts. Here's the catch. You have to read it. It doesn't work by osmosis. I mean, I've tried that. You can leave it on the nightstand and sleep there all night long. And you don't wake up knowing another scripture than when you went to bed. It's amazing. But when you pick it up and you read it, it speaks to you. When you read these verses, they speak directly to where you are, and I can tell they're speaking to some of you because I see your face. Some of you aren't even looking anymore. You're just kind of staring at the floor. And it's okay because that's what happens when we have introspect. That's what happens when we look within our heart and we see what's really there. Sometimes it's hard, and we don't want to do that. But that's how God speaks to us. Through His Word, what are you putting in? Are you allowing him to speak into your life or are you handicapping the process? Because if you're not reading his word, you've handicapped him. You're not allowing his word to speak to you in your life. If you're in a small group, you should be talking about this. We're in, should be around chapter 2 and starting point in your small groups. And it's talking about the power of scripture in our lives and how God speaks through his word. 
And he's got all these different ways he can speak into our lives, but he chooses Scripture as the primary way that he speaks into our lives. But if we're not reading Scripture, how do we know? How do we hear his voice? How do we allow him to speak into our lives? Look at what the beginning of those verses said. Verses 20 and 21, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. You know the picture that's painted here? The picture that's painted here is a picture of marination. Marinating meat. Think about it. Why do you marinate meat? If you cook, you understand this concept. Why do you marinate your food? You marinate it because you want to change how it tastes. You want to change the composition of it. You take soy sauce and you marinate chicken in soy sauce because you want your chicken to taste like soy sauce. And it's different than just cooking chicken and pouring soy sauce over because that gives you a little bit of the taste, but it doesn't change the chicken. All it does is add a little flavor to it at the end. But when you marinate your meat in it, when you inject it, when you let it sit in it and absorb all of that, then you cook your chicken, it oozes soy sauce, and the chicken tastes like soy sauce all throughout the chicken. And every bite you cut, you've got soy sauce in it. You don't even need any sauce on it because you've marinated it and you've changed the flavor. And it's the same way in our hearts. See, when we marinate in God's Word, when we let it speak to us, when we take time to read and to study and to let Him speak to us, it changes our heart. It's that picture of regeneration that Dave talked about last week. It's the making of a new heart within us to where we ooze good fruit, where we ooze words that build up and encourage and restore and give hope. We can't help but do anything else. It's like the illustration you used last week about the artist. You can't be an artist just because you say you're an artist. That doesn't mean anything. I can say I'm anything, but that doesn't make it true. But an artist is an artist because that's all they can do. They have to draw. They have to paint. They have to sculpt. They have to sing. They have to do whatever it is. That's what makes them an artist. And it's the same for us. That's what makes us a Christ follower. We ooze those things. We can say we're a Christ follower all day long, but if we are, people will see it in the reflection of our works and our words. They will see it in the fruit that is produced. So if you're being honest, and just with you, you don't have to tell anybody else, but if you're being honest with you, what is your heart reflecting? Where is your faith? Where are you on this journey? How are you growing? Do you truly have a changed heart? And it's not a picture of perfection. Believe me, I'm far from perfect. Ask my wife and kids. You'll get the true sense. I feel like all I did this last week was spend the entire week apologizing. And some of you will probably go through the same things if you really let this marinate on you because it will change how you look at things and it will change the impact that you feel in what you say and what you do. It's not a picture of perfection, but it's about allowing God to change your heart. See, the problem is we can't control our tongue. We can't control the words that come out of our mouth. We have no power over it. But God does. James 1, 7, or 3, 7 says it like this. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Man, this James guy, he's harsh. 
It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Maybe not all the time, but I bet if we're honest, there have been a lot of times that our tongue has been that for us. Our words have been that. See, only God can tame the tongue. But that's not a free pass either because it's not just a simple prayer to go, okay, God, tame my tongue. It's all yours. And then I don't have to do anything. God's just going to fix it. Nice. I wish. But see, he expects something out of us too. We still have to put things into practice. We have to marinate on his words and put them into practice in our lives. It's not enough just to hear the words, but we have to do them. We have to live it out. And there are some simple steps that will help us to tame the tongue. Let's just walk through them this morning. Some simple steps to help us tame the tongue. First, pause. Hold your tongue. For some of you, maybe you need to literally hold your tongue. Because if you're like me, there's times that it just kind of spits stuff out and it shouldn't have. And it's one of those moments where just like at the beginning, you're going, man, I wish I hadn't said that. It was too late. It's already out there. Pause. Hold your tongue. James 1.19 says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. For those of you who are like me and you struggle sometimes with that anger thing and the reaction thing, sometimes it's just because we don't pause. And we don't take time to actually hear what's being said or to reflect on that, to listen. I think there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. But too many times we get that disproportionate and we speak a whole lot more than we listen. Just pause and listen. Proverbs 21:23 says, "He who guards his tongue keeps his soul from trouble." He who guards his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. If we would just pause sometimes, it'd make all the difference in the world. And then think before you speak. Think before you speak. I don't do this very often. I tend to react. I tend to just respond to whatever's there. And sometimes it means even we need to say, you know, I just need to think on that for a little bit before I say anything back. I need to think on that for a couple days or a month before I talk about that. And it's okay. Pause. Stop. Think about it. Sometimes silence is much better than you running your mouth. And I know you know scenarios in your own life where you go, I wish I would have just shut up. It would have been so much better. Think before you speak. Think about the power your words are going to carry. Think about the impact it's going to have on others. Think about how they're going to respond. And then pray. Ask God to give you wisdom in the words that you're going to use. Sometimes we're all about trying to give an answer when in reality we need to be asking questions so that we can hear more. And allow God to speak to you and help you to have wisdom in what you're going to say. Pause Think before you speak. Pray. There's a story in Isaiah 6 that I love, and I've loved this story. From, I remember from when I was a kid in Sunday school hearing this story, and it's about Isaiah standing before God, and it's this vision he's having where he's in heaven. And as a kid, it was just one of those interesting stories because it talks about the, the seraphs and all these crazy creatures of heaven. And you, you're like, wow, I, it paints this picture for me. I want to see this. But as you really read the story and you see what's happening, here's Isaiah standing before God, and he has this realization moment where he goes, Oh my God, I stand before pure holiness. And I'm a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I don't control my tongue. 
I don't have power over my words. I say things I shouldn't say. I'm not using my words on purpose for your purposes, God. And he realizes his sinful condition standing before holiness. But I love it because God sends that seraph over with his hot coal and he touches his lips and he says, you are now clean. We need that. We need to start every day like that, saying, God, cleanse my lips. Touch them with that coal and cleanse them so that the words that come out of my mouth today are designed to build up and to encourage and to help. They're wholesome words, not words of destruction. We need that cleansing. Take time to pray before you respond, before you speak. And I think there's one last thing that plays into this, and I didn't even put this on the slide. It's just a freebie. For some of us, we've said some things, and we can't take the words back. But that doesn't give us permission to not go and try to make them right. And I think it would be fair to say that every person in this room probably needs to seek forgiveness from someone. Or maybe needs to extend forgiveness to someone for something that we have said or something that's been said to us. All through the study of James, we're talking about the fruit that is produced and what kind of tree we are. And that fruit identifies the tree. And let me tell you, seeds of unforgiveness and seeds of bitterness that we carry in our life, they will destroy the tree. It will give you rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Some of us need to extend forgiveness or ask for forgiveness. Our words are an overflow of our heart. They are the fruit by which our tree is identified. They're that barometer of our heart. What kind of reading do people get from your heart when they listen to you talk, when they see what you do? How is your faith lived out in the world around you? I want to give you one more practical thing that you can do, and this is something I want to really challenge you to do this week. And I can tell you before I even say it, some of you are going to be resistant because I'm the same way. But this is something that will help you to truly have introspect and think about your words. I want to challenge you to journal this week. And I know every guy in the room just shut down. But hear me out on this. I hate to journal more than anybody else in the room. I promise. But if you want to have some true introspect and think about the power of your words and what you're saying and what you're doing, take some time each evening this week to sit down and just write a few sentences. It doesn't have to be a page entry. It doesn't have to be this long book that you're writing. But just write a few sentences or words or draw a picture or whatever helps you to, to be able to articulate. But think about these things. What did my words reflect today? What was my self-talk like today? You see, our words don't just carry power with everybody else. They carry power with us too. Some of us, our self-talk destroys us. You know who you are. We all have this struggle at some point. You do something that wasn't so smart. Ah, you idiot. You talk poorly about yourself. I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid. You talk yourself down all the time. Your words have the same power to heal or destroy in your own life. What was your self-talk like today? How did my words impact my spouse, my kids, my coworkers, my neighbor, my friends, 